hard to come by. Thank you, Dean. Appreciate that very much. We just sang a song that repeated itself, and I got to thinking, singing that, that the comma might ought to be removed, and we just know we know. You know, that says, I know, comma, I know, and that repeats itself, but without the comma, it makes a complete sentence. That really is what we want to discuss this morning and tonight, and we discussed Friday night and all day Saturday. I know, I know. I'm not only know, I know, I know. I'm sure of some things. And if I'm sure of a few things, the rest of the things really don't matter. If I'm sure that God loves me, and I am, and if I'm sure he's bestowed his grace upon me, and I am, and I'm sure that I'm saved in any tense you want to discuss, I'm saved in the past by the blood of Christ, and saved in the presence, present by the life of Christ, and will be saved in the future by the intercession and the pleading of Christ, then there's really nothing to worry about. Nothing that will make me permanently sad. Nothing that will make me permanently frightened. I am weak in the flesh, and so I will be frightened, and things happen that are legitimately sad, and we can legitimately weep and mourn over bad things, but none of those are eternal. Nothing eternally harmful happens to the child of God. For God works everything together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Terrible things happen to children of God, but we're saved by grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live sober, righteous, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, our blessed hope, the appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might purify unto himself a people for his own possession, eager to do that which is good. Now, that's been our text. This morning we changed text. This morning we look at the empowering grace of God. The grace of God not only saves me from all sin, it not only instructs me on how I'm to live and inspires me that I'm eager to do that which is good, but the grace of God empowers me to do exceeding abundantly above anything that I would ask or think. Of course, that's the center verse or the center portion of the book of Ephesians. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we would ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. Unto him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus and all generations forever and ever. Amen. I know of no two verses that rise any higher than those two verses rise and raise me any higher than those two verses raise me. That says that within you and within me and with us, within us as a body, is the marvelous power of God, the supernatural power of God, the ability to do beyond the natural, the ability to do beyond anything we could ask of or anything we could dream of. And I don't know about you, but I've developed the ability to dream. But beyond all of my ability to dream is the power of God. And it's not the power simply resident in Him. It is the power native to Him. It is not native to me. It is not native to you and it's not native to us. This power is not a native power except in God. It is native to Him, but it's resident in us. And it's not only resident in us, it is active in us. This power works in us. The power by which God can do 
through us and in us exceeding abundantly above anything that we would ask or think. If it were native ability or native talents, it would not be a matter of grace. It would be a matter of work. But since it is God's power resident and working in us, we can speak of the fact that the grace of God strengthens us. As a matter of fact, that's what Paul admonished Timothy to be in 2 Timothy, 1 in verse, 2 Timothy 2 in verse 1. He said, My son, be strengthened in the grace that is in Jesus. That is in a tense in the original language. It means stand strong and be stronger in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we stand strong because the grace of God. We grow strong because the grace of God. We are strong and are being strengthened by the grace of God. I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I came real close to making an overlay today, but I decided I'd rather look at you and you look at me than look at an overlay. In Ephesians 1 verses 15 to 23, Paul prays, and it's remarkable to me that two out three, excuse me, out of the four power passages that are found in the book of Ephesians are prayers. He expects God to do something for the Ephesians in the area of power because he prayed for the Ephesians. We need not only to learn how to pray, we need to learn how to pray intercessory prayers. Intercessory prayer is at the heart of any strengthening power or strengthening activity of God. He says, for this reason. Now you have to study chapter 1, 1 to 14 to know the reason, all right? Because God has an eternal purpose and you're a part of that eternal purpose. For this reason, I, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I have never stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking. In verses 15 to 16, he has praise for them. He praises them because of their faith and because of their love. And down in verse 18, because of their hope. They had the three things that would last, so they will last. They had faith, they had hope, they had love, and therefore they were a lasting church. And so Paul says, I praise God for your faith, your hope, and your love. And I keep asking. Now here's the request for them. Here's prayer for them. First he praises them, and now he prays for them. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, that'd make it a matter of grace, wouldn't it? May give you a spirit, a attitude, a disposition of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better, so that you can know you know. I know I know. What do I know? I know God better. Why do I know God better? Because you're praying that God will give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. If I am praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and you're praying that God will give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation, God will do it. And when we get a spirit of wisdom and revelation, here's what we can do. We can know God better. Now, these are great people. They have faith, they have hope, they have love, but they have a need. And that need is to know God better. And they have a need to meet the need. If they're going to know God better, then they have to have an attitude of wisdom and an attitude of revelation. They'd get that from God's wisdom and God's revelation, wouldn't they? I mean, God has expressed his wisdom. He's expressed his revelation in the book you hold in your hand. 
or the book you're holding in your mind while we're reading this. In that book is God's wisdom and God's revelation. How would I get a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Somebody said, I would study. That's your part. But you'd get a spirit of wisdom and revelation because God gave it to you. And he would give it to you because your brothers pray for you. You see, that's how wisdom and revelation come. I am wise and I have a revelation about Jesus within my heart because I have prayed and you have prayed. If anybody lacks wisdom, what does he do? He asks God, doesn't he? Who gives liberally to all and will be given him. If he asks in faith, nothing doubting. If he doubts, he's like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. He won't receive anything from the Lord because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways, the book of James says. But if you know, you know, then people can pray and you can pray and you'll get a spirit of wisdom and revelation and you'll know God better, which will lead you to what? Pray more, which will give you what? More of a spirit of wisdom and revelation, which will lead you to know what? Know God better, which will cause you to what? Pray more. And that's just a continual cycle, isn't it? That's a perpetual motion machine that just enables God to bestow more and more and more blessings and I'm getting to know God more and more and better and better and I'm getting more wisdom and more revelation that's giving me an attitude of that and I go around not worried, not concerned, but hustling because I have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Anybody that knows God better knows that God always works. That's what Jesus said in the book of John. He says, my father works until this very hour, and I work too. The father rested from his labor of creation, but he didn't stop working. He has always worked. The instant he stops working, it's through. It's over with. Everything will be burned up. It'll cease to exist. Wisdom and revelation says, I know God better. And the more I know God better, the more I'll be conformed to him. He says in verse 17, I pray also, excuse me, 18, I pray also. First of all, he prayed that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. They needed a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and they needed the eyes of their heart enlightened. Now, I don't know how much to read into that. I know at least they were not seeing like they should. I'm sure they were seeing inside of things. So they wouldn't have faith, hope, and love. You've got to see inside of things and have your heart looking even to believe and hope and love. But they needed a deeper insight of heart. They didn't need to know more. They probably already knew plenty. They just needed to know better what they knew. Did they already know God? Well, of course they did, but they needed to know Him better. Were their eyes already enlightened? Yes. But they needed to be wider open. They needed to be more alert. I, do, I really don't trust too much these eyes because I take these glasses off and the only reason I know that's Parker and Donna is I looked at them with the glasses on and I can, even with these off I can see Parker's white hair. So I put it back on and sure enough that's Parker. See these eyes cannot be trusted as you get older but these eyes get better and better as you get older. These eyes see more clearly as you're experiencing Jesus and as you're receiving over and over his marvelous, magnificent, powerful grace. He said, I want the eyes of your heart enlightened. Why? So you can know. And that word means to know completely, to know fully, not to be in the process of learning. He says, I want you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can know fully. God better. I want the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you can know fully three things. He said, I want you to know your calling, I want you to know your hope, and I want you to know your power. He said, I want you to know that God has called you. 
I want you to know, excuse me, not your hope, your value. I want you to know how valuable you are, and I want you to know how powerful you are. He said, I want the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you can know the hope of the, he has called you to. Not just the hope, but the hope he has called you to. Brothers and sisters, you've been called. That's a little, in the original language, that word means elect. It's the word electos. He said, I want you to know you've been elected. That's an honor, isn't it? Isn't it an honor to be elected out of a group? Now, God will elect everybody, but evidently he couldn't. But he could you, couldn't he? He was able to elect you, wasn't he? And so you have been chosen out of a group to belong to God. And you need to know that. I need to know that. And the only way I will know that is by the eyes of my heart being enlightened. When I know God better, I know the character of the one who has called me. And when the eyes of my heart has been enlightened, then I know the fact that he's called me. But more than that, I know the hope that is found in that election. Hope is an expectant desire and it looks to the future. Call looks to the past. Hope is what I presently have, but the idea of hope looks to the future. I'm going to be like Jesus one day, aren't you? Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. For this cause the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. Beloved, it's not yet made manifest what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like Him. For when He appears, we will see Him even as He is, as many as have this Hope setteth upon himself, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And we that are in this body do groan, and we groan for our adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For in this hope were we saved. Romans chapter 8. What is our hope? Our hope is in nothing but being like Christ. That is my hope. That is the hope to which I've been called. I, before the foundation of the world, God foreknew and foreordained that I would become conformed unto the image of His Son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom He foreordained, He called. He elected. And those whom He elected, He justified. And those whom He justified, He glorified. There is no wider scope than that passage in Romans 8, 29 to 30. It starts in eternity when nothing but God's mind existed. And it will end in an eternity where God and those that are of his mind will be all that live in heaven. And in between, God takes care of it all. He says, I live in eternity. I was here when nothing but me existed. And I will be here when nothing but what I will exist with me. And I'll take care of everything in between. You can know your calling. And you can know the hope of your calling if the eyes of your heart is enlightened. Then he says you can know your value. He says I want you to know not only the hope to which God has called you, but I want you to know the exceeding riches. I want you to know the glorious riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Did you know you are rich and glorious? That's what you need to know. I know I know that. I know I know that because of whose I am. I am not in any way deservant of the blessings of God. I'm grateful God doesn't demand that you deserve his blessings. I'm grateful that all he demands is that I love him and am called according to his purpose. 
See, if I love God and I'm called, elected, according to the purpose of God, then God works all things together for good. And the glorious truth here is, I am what he wants from all of his thousands of years of labor with this world. When he's through laboring and through hurting and through crying and through suffering and, and, and through putting up with all of the things that he has to cry about and suffer with and put up with, when finally he says, that's it, Gabriel, blow and Jesus go, when he says that, what does he get out of all of those centuries of work? He gets Ed Horton. He gets Mike Prosser, Klein Payton, Richard Rogers. Jack Hodges and Ludie Massey, Hollis Maynard. That's who he gets. And he's, he's like, how's he satisfied with that? It's all he's ever wanted. I mean, that's all God has ever wanted. He lives for the day, the long day called eternity, that Abe and I will hug his neck. Tex and I will talk to him about where we wanted to go and didn't get time to go. Won't that be a day? Won't that be a day, Dick? That'll be a day. And that'll be the day he has lived for. That'll be the day he's planned for and purposed for. And Jesus right now ever lives to make intercession for those that will be there. You need to know that. And I need to know that, don't we? And that'll get us through the tough times, won't it? Because we have this assurance. We have this that other things may be doubtful. But this is sure. I am the inheritance of God. He said, I want you to know God better. He says, I want you to know your calling. I want you to know your value. Then I want you to know your power. And he says that you may know his, his, not mine, his incomparably great power for us who believe. Who's God's power for? It's for us. If I were to lay a big bill at home on my dresser, nobody would bother it unless the thief came. My wife wouldn't bother it. Keith wouldn't bother it. Chris wouldn't bother it. They'd all want to bother it. But, but they wouldn't bother it. But if I put it, if I put it on, the, on, the, on the counter in the kitchen and put a sheet of paper under it, everybody would want to read the sheet of paper because it might say, Barb, this is for you. Or Keith, this is for you. Or, Chris, this is for you. And as soon as that's there, I guarantee you what happens to the money. It goes in the pocket and it's quickly spent. Because they have a right to, don't they? They have a right to possess it and they have a right to spend it because the note says it is for you. God took his marvelous, supernatural, unlimited power and he laid it down on your kitchen table with a note under it says, for you. That would be stupid not to spend the money, wouldn't it, Keith? And it would be stupid, wouldn't it, Ludie, not to spend the power? I mean, it is at our possession. It, it, it is at our disposition. It is to be used as we, with God's help, see the need for it being used. And I'd rather have his power than all of y'all's money. I'd rather have God's power than all the money there is in the world because God says heaven and earth be and heaven and earth is. He says light be and light is. He says Sodom and Gomorrah don't be and Sodom and Gomorrah isn't. 
I mean, God has power to cause things to be and to cause things not to be. He can say to all the weaknesses of my life, I don't want those things under my sight. I want this man powerful, and I'm powerful. And he can say to all the sins of my life, I don't want these things recorded on my book. I refuse to record them. He can lift me from the prison and place me in the palace. And he's done that. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. But love lifted me. God in his mercy lifted me. But he didn't just lift me. He lifted me to a place of power. He seated me at the right hand of Jesus in the heavenly places. And he says, son, you can do anything you want to do in my will. And I'm searching his will for more things I can do because I want to do more and more because I love him. And his grace inspires me. And his grace empowers me. Well, what kind of power is that? It's God's power. I understand it. Well, what kind of power is that? It's incomparable. He says, I want you to know his incomparably great power. So if you think I'm going to compare it to anything, I'm not. Paul doesn't compare it to anything. He tells you what it's equal to. He describes it. He doesn't compare it. He doesn't say that power's like this or that power's like that. In the translation, he does. He says that power is like the working of his mighty strength. But if you go look up the word like, it's the little word esos, which means equal in quality and in quantity. He's not comparing it to the resurrection. He's telling you it is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I got goosebumps. Do you? You ought to. I mean to realize that the power that said, Son, come forth, and a stone rolled away, and his son came out, is the power he has for you. Ain't nothing we can't do. I know that's not good English, but I emphasize it. Ain't nothing we can't do. There is nothing that stands in the place of the people of God if they have the eyes of their heart enlightened. Anything that God wants done, I can do and you can do and we can do. Isn't that right? I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Somebody, can you leap tall buildings with a single bound? Only if it's the will of God. If it's the will of God, I can. I don't find that the will of God, but if it is, I'm willing to leap tall buildings with a single bound. Whatever God wants done, I am willing and able to do if I have the eyes of my heart enlightened. Can we preach the gospel of the whole creation before I die? Before Klein dies? Before Parker dies? Can we do it this year? It all depends on if we really want to. If we really get the eyes of our heart enlightened and will turn all of our resources over to God, if we'll get on the altar, fire will come down out of heaven and marvelous things will happen. Things will happen so fast, we won't even have the ability to keep up with them. We won't be able to count. We'll have to get out of this building. We won't even be able to build another building because when you're multiplying, you can't build a building fast enough to hold everybody. I mean, there will be no way that we will be able to measure the growth here or there if we ever really get on the altar and let the power of God be the power that is for us so that we can speak of God's power as our power. It is incomparable. Don't try to compare it. It is equal to the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, chapter 3, 20 and 21 is the conclusion of tonight's sermon. But doesn't it fit in well here? 
Now in him was able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that is at work in us. Well, of course he can do so much with that power because it's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. But where is it? Where does it reside? In you? You, you, me? I don't think we believe that. I think we acknowledge that's true. But I really don't think we believe that. And I'm not, I'm not being negative. I'm just being factual. Doc, I don't think we believe that. I don't think we really believe that that power works within us. If we did, we wouldn't let anything turn us back. And nothing could. If just 12 men in this audience believe that, the world's evangelized in 25, 30 years. Happened one time, didn't it? And whatever happened one time can happen again and again and again. Be it unto you according to your faith. It is unto you according to your faith, Jesus said in Matthew 8 and then in Matthew 9. Look at verse 22 and 23 and I'll quit. And God placed all things under his feet. That's Jesus. And he appointed him, that's Jesus, to be head over everything. For the church. Isn't that interesting? Who's God's power for? Church. And for whom was Jesus made head over everything? Why was he made head over demons? Why was he made head over principalities and powers? Just read back up there in verse 20 and 21. Why was he seated at the right hand of God far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this age, but also in anyone that is to come? Why was Jesus made Lord for the church? Why does he reign supreme for you? He reigns supreme. He's been appointed head over everything, not for his own benefit. He was already that before he became flesh, wasn't he? Wasn't he already over that? But he became a man and ceased to be over that and lived as a man, died as a man, was raised as a man, intercedes as a man, is coming back as a man. Read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And why did all of that happen? For you, for me, for us. That's why that happened. He, though he was equal with God, he did not that count that the thing to be held on to tenaciously. Being ten wasn't his thing. He left being ten and became a zero. The text says he took upon himself the form of a slave. In the first century, they understood a slave's number. A slave was a zero. He was a ten. He became a zero that he might become as a man a ten. For you. For me. And for us, that fills him up. That fills him up. That turns him on. You know, I could find out what turns a person on. I know who he is. You know what turns Jesus on? The church turns Jesus on. It is the fullness of him that fills all in all. Anybody that criticizes the church of Jesus Christ walks on Jesus' fighting side. Because the church turns him on. It fills him up. And God being my witness, it, it does me too. I pray. I pray. I really will pray that we will have the eyes of our heart enlightened.
That's the end of the lesson. You may need to respond. You know if you do. If you need to come forward for any reason and ask for help or to be immersed in Christ for anything, for if just to say, brothers, I don't understand what I heard today. Help me. If for any reason you need help, the body of Christ anxiously awaits while we stand in sing.